I'm joined again by Stephen Pally, partner at the law firm of Anderson Kill. Stephen, thanks so much for coming back to the show. My pleasure to be here. Always good to be with you. Great. Um, so today you're going to help us kind of uh, do a bit of a deep dive into BitMEX versus the CFTC. Sure. As uh, most people within the crypto industry will probably already be aware, the Department of Justice recently filed an indictment against the senior executive team at BitMEX charging that they have been in violation of the U.S. Bank Secrecy Act. And simultaneously, the CFTC also took civil enforcement action against BitMEX, um, claiming that it had subsidiaries and affiliates in the U.S. and knowingly onboarded U.S. customers or failed to do enough to present, prevent U.S. customers from onboarding. That's right. Okay, so it sounds like in the CFTC's eyes, BitMEX was operating as what it classified as a futures commission merchant, yeah. um, which is a role that falls under the Bank Secrecy Act and the Commodities Exchange Act, um, which would have required them to register with the CFTC. That's right. Okay, so it sounds like uh, the executives that are named are their CEO, Arthur Hayes, um, their COO, Ben Delo, their CTO, Samuel Reed, and Greg Dwyer, who was their head of business development. And uh, Reed was detained by law enforcement in the US, but was subsequently released on bond. So lots to talk about. Um, so let's start with, um, can you summarize the course of events and what exactly happened? Sure. What the executives are being charged with and what are the two separate, what's the delineation between the civil proceedings and the criminal? Sure. Well, let's start with the, um, let's start with sort of big picture, uh, particularly for those who aren't in the U.S. and don't understand how U.S. laws work. You've got two different things that have happened. One is uh, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission is a U.S. agency responsible for commodities futures trading broadly um, and, and enforcing uh, um, uh, and regulating things that are covered by uh, the U.S. Commodities Exchange Act. Uh, which generally speaking, and I'm summarizing, deals with uh, derivatives, futures, things of that nature. And so, uh, and there's some enforcement um, uh, jurisdiction over spot markets, but only when the, the uh, spot market trading um, involves fraud and manipulation that might impact futures markets. So that's the CFTC. Um, and what they can do is if they see something that appears to have violated the laws that they're charged with enforcing, they can uh, undertake a formal investigation, which is something that doesn't involve a court filing. Mm -hmm. uh, it might involve, a, probably would, would involve a subpoena, uh, document requests, uh, formal interviews under oath, depositions, mm -hmm. uh, and then they make a decision whether or not they're going to uh, pursue uh, litigation in court if they can't resolve uh, charges privately. And it appears that what happened here was that the CFTC um, commenced an investigation of um, HDR Global Trading, um, a bunch of companies that um, we can refer, refer to, generally speaking, as BitMEX, and included in their investigation, Arthur Hayes, uh, Ben Dilo, and Samuel Reed. And I'm going to take a look at the summary in the lawsuit that was filed, and uh, the CFTC says that um, BitMEX is, um, you know, says that it's one of the largest crypto derivatives platforms in the world with billions of dollars of trading each day. Uh, and the problem is, from the CFTC's perspective, is that a lot of this derives from 
access to the United States and to US customers. And they mentioned, I wanna say 85,000 um, customers or customer contacts within the United States. And they're trading things uh, that fit within the rubric of, um, they were offering leveraged retail commodity transactions, futures options and swaps, and operating as an unregistered futures commissions merchant. All of these things which required registration with the CFTC and mm -hmm. that is um, um, violates doing that without uh, complying with um, CFTC regulations without registering as required by the Quantities Exchange Act, which sounds really boring, I've kind of, I realize, uh, subjects you to substantial penalties under US law. Um, and so that's sort of the nature of the, uh, the CFTC civil complaint. We can dig more into that. There's another piece of this, which is, um, I actually don't find it terribly surprising. I know others in the space might have, but in parallel with these civil proceedings, the uh, United States Department of Justice, which is um, also an ex uh, part of the executive branch in the United States, uh, instituted uh, criminal charges, an indictment, which is a, a way that you charge people criminally in the United States against the executive team of BitMEX, charging that they had violated the U.S. Bank Secrecy Act and uh, anti-money laundering, know your customer requirements, and all sorts of compliance obligations uh, that, um, that go with that. Um, and as you, uh, I think, pointed out, the CTO, uh, Samuel Reed, was arrested. Um, he was, uh, I believe he was released. All that we can see from the docket was that uh, he uh, appeared before a federal judge on um, October 1st or 2nd. And the next day, um, uh, documents uh, setting conditions of release were issued that imposed fairly... Um, reasonable uh, limitations for someone charged with such uh, serious uh, crimes, a uh, $5 million bond with the requirement of $500,000 in collateral being posted, but no restrictions to uh, uh, staying at home, uh, the ability to move between uh, uh, Massachusetts, New York, and Wisconsin, uh, no requirement that any sort of monitoring be worn, which leads one to suspect, and again, this is pure surmise, I have no if I had inside information about this, we wouldn't be talking, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but it does lead one to suspect that maybe uh, he is, um, um, he's worked out a deal. Uh, the last time I checked, and I, I will confess I didn't check today, I, I'll check in a second. Um, as far as I know, uh, the other defendants remain at large. Let's check right now, shall we? Um, so that's basically the... Uh, that's the nuts and bolts of it. So, you know, in, in traditional finance and, and certainly in other cases that we've seen in the crypto space, having, having a regulator um, assess, you know, fines or, or penalties um, in a civil proceeding is, is one thing. It's not often that we see, you know, people arrested um, and criminal charges brought. So how serious is this, Stephen? I mean, it's as serious as a heart attack. Um, it's um, the uh, allegations are of significant and ongoing violations of the Bank Secrecy Act, a statute that has uh, criminal penalties of up to five years imprisonment for each violation. Um, I don't see any appearance by Mr. Uh, Hayes 
for Mr. Dilo or Mr. Dwyer. Um, in the criminal case, uh, it would appear that they are still at large. Um, you know, they cite significant detail about the violations. Basically, the Bank Secrecy Act uh, is designed, it comes out of, a, it refers to a set of laws that were first um, uh, passed and, and put into law uh, in the early 1970s as a response to organized crime, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, I'm, I'm oversimplifying greatly. Uh, but they're designed to, uh, um, in, in uh, the case of crypto in particular, to, uh, uh, upon um, uh, um, uh, amendment by the Patriot Act to, um, quoting from the indictment, prevent, detect, and prosecute international money laundering and the financing of terrorism, which is something that the United States government takes very, very seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a parallel statement issued by Treasury either on October 1st or September, the last day of September, it was the 30th or 31st, I don't remember, that, that we'll talk about in a little bit that kind of dovetails with this. Um, basically, if you are someone who was required under US law to comply with the Bank Secrecy Act, and you don't, um, particularly if there's a view that you are directly or indirectly participating in um, you know, international terrorism, drug trafficking, uh, the Department of Treasury, you know, the, the United States government uh, through FinCEN uh, and through the DOJ, they're going to come after you hard. Um, and that's what they did here. Um, do, you, do you have a, perhaps a real world example of, of a similar case or scenario, maybe outside the crypto world, um, that resolved and what the outcomes of those would be? So, so essentially, we're, we're at the beginning of this what potentially could we uh, expect to see happen? What's happened to others in the past? Um, my expectation is there, there have been some crypto cases that involve this. My expectation is based on you know, drawing from other um, examples and particularly given the fact that they, you know, this has been going on according to the indictment since um, 2014. Yeah. Um, and from at least 2017 or 18, BitMEX uh, knew that they were dealing with U.S. persons and that they were required to comply with the BSA and they didn't. They moved to the Seychelles uh, for the stated reasons that it would be easier to bribe people there. Mm -hmm. My expectation is that, so like my, my back of the envelope guess is that um, Eventually, the uh, executive team will be found, will be extradited to the United States and will do prison time. Um, there's been a significant flight of capital from BitMEX. I think they're down 30%. Um, I don't, certainly no interest in causing panic and I don't have crypto holdings. So this doesn't affect me personally. I would be surprised if that exchange exists in a year or two. Like why would you put your money why would you put your crypto at risk in an exchange that has that is subject to um, where the principles are being are, are being prosecuted by U.S. prosecutors, mm -hmm. and where the CFTC has come down against them and is seeking disgorgement of profits, um, is seeking uh, you know all sorts of monetary penalties? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, short answer is prison. Okay. So that's, that's the maximum, that's the maximum penalty, imprisonment, um, and you're talking about uh, five years for every violation. Is every violation down to a transaction or down to a customer? 
how do they determine um, how many violations per transaction? Per transaction. Okay. Right, and I think I saw I saw the number eighty five thousand somewhere. I think it was in the CFTC complaint. Um, so if you if you credit that, here, let's see if I can find it. Eighty five. There we go. Yes. Um, so according to um, According to the CFTC, during the relevant period, BitMEX conducted trillions of dollars in digital asset derivatives transactions, notional, of course, and it earned fees worth more than $1 billion in transactions on its platform. BitMEX, <coughs> excuse me, operated its trading platform in large part from the United States and engaged in transactions with thousands of US persons. BitMEX accepted Bitcoin deposits worth more than $11 billion from at least 85,000 user accounts with the US Nexus. So in theory, each of those, um, each, let's just use 85,000 and assume there was just one transaction to each account. You know, in theory, you're looking at um, what, 500,000 years of prison time? Obviously it doesn't work like that. My guess is five to 10, uh, which gives uh, the CTO a significant reason to cut a deal. And what's interesting too is because there was a, a civil investigation by the CFTC, it appears from looking at the documents, the CFTC got a significant amount of information from BitMEX, internal emails, um, interviews, um, and they, I'm sure they just turned that over to the DOJ. Yeah. So uh, we saw the same thing. It's different because uh, with Telegram and Kick, uh, there were no, there was there were no criminal charges. Those are registration. Uh, cases, uh, nothing to do with um, uh, BSA or, or um, AML KYC. But um, in those cases too, when the SEC filed suit, they already had a significant volume of information well, they had received from the target. Something like Bitfinex and, and all of the um, you know legal activity that's been uh, they've been going through over the past couple of years. It sure seems similar, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, well, I think what, um, you know, we, the, some in, in the market may say that, you know, Bitmex was headed in this direction um, and that, you know, potentially leaning on the fact that they were only uh, taking deposits and paying out, you know, crypto to crypto, um, that potentially it was beyond the scope of AML requirements. That hasn't been the case since at least like the regulatory guidance has been fairly clear on this for the last seven or eight years. Vincent has been pretty clear that um, the fact that you are trading crypto for crypto does not take you out of the scope of the Bank Secrecy Act. Um, it's never, it hasn't been a good argument for a very long time. Yeah. So, you know, is, is this, in your opinion, um, just simply a, a case of hubris? Yes. Or, you know, does BitMEX have a case to defend here? Well, look, I mean, there's always a defense. Um, but what was the line about coconuts? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. I mean, the guy, like, these people, they like... The Seychelles were a more friendly jurisdiction for BitMEX because it costs less to bribe the Seychelles authorities just yeah. coconut. Yeah, they don't cost to bribe regulators in the United States and, and elsewhere. Yeah. Um, there was the, you know, the Lambos at, um, at uh, Consensus two years ago. They had, I believe they had U.S. offices at various points. Uh, there was an email where they said, we need to give this guy access because uh, 
even though he's in the U.S., he's a whale. I think there was like my sort of, I'm looking at, so before I was a lawyer, I was getting a PhD in, uh, in literature. So I look at things from the standpoint of narrative, right? Like the narrative here, if you will, is people got really rich in a very fortuitous, and let's accept that it was smart. It was like a good bet, but they got something not exactly from nothing. I, I won't say that. It required patience and in some instances, uh, significant technical understanding and, you know, maybe mining, but they managed to make just an absolutely a crazy amount of money um, in an unbelievable way. And I think that made some people think that uh, they were, they could fly really close to the sun, right? So, Last week, the FCA actually issued a new regulation banning the sale of, well, sale, marketing, and distribution of crypto derivatives to retail customers. Um, it was a pretty bold move. And, you know, looking at this derivatives um, action being taken, is it the derivatives themselves that are causing regulators worry? Or is it really the AML KYC thing? Or is it a combination of the both? It's both, yeah. So um, basically, BitMEX got in trouble and the principals got in trouble for both. They were selling certain types of derivatives uh, to U.S. persons without being properly registered. Yeah. Um, uh, and at the same time, because they were, because they were an FCM, uh, they, had to, um, they had to register as a, as a money servicing business with uh, FinCEN and do things like file SARS, uh, have a compliance program. Um, so that led to criminal. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't, it's not like, and I would say this, I don't think, it's not that the regulators have a problem with crypto, qua crypto. It's just that, you know, if you're going to sell certain types of commodity contracts in the United States, we have laws that apply. Yeah. And if you're going <laughs> to engage in them, in certain types of financial transactions and act as a money transmitter. And the, the definition of that is pretty clear under the US law and FinCEN has been clear about uh, its role and the application of the statute to those activities since I think at least 2013, if not earlier, you have to comply and you don't get a pass because of Bitcoin, you just don't. Yeah. Well, you know, you, and you referenced earlier that, you know, there was capital flight from BitMEX. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, looking at things like the FCA ban, which many people have argued that if you aren't able to license firms to distribute these types of instruments to retail investors, they will go elsewhere to find them. Um, and so, you know, that capital that um, took flight from BitMEX is going to end up somewhere else. Should the executives of those offshore derivatives exchanges be worried? Um, and, you know, is this the type of activity that we can expect to, to, to see continue? Or is this, you know, BitMEX being kind of made an example of? Um. I don't know about, I mean, maybe they're being made an example of, I guess I would say um, it's a good time to get your house in order if you're offshore and maybe you've had contact with the United States in the past and not for, um, you know, malevolent reasons, mm -hmm. just because maybe you were sloppy. Uh, it's a good time to evaluate that and uh, come up with a compliance plan, whether it's backwards looking or forwards looking. And 
in some cases, it's better to go to the regulator before they come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe, I don't know how BitMEX handled that, but apparently however they handled it was not the right way. Um, otherwise, it wouldn't be criminal charges. But it's, you know, there are ways to work these things out. And uh, that's the answer. And, you know, the other answer is don't sell certain things into the U.S. Like I mentioned, contracts are different. Generally speaking, unless you're dealing with uh, someone who, you know, people who fit into the, the uh, rubric of an eligible contract party, if you're just a, if you're selling these things to regular old consumers um, and you're selling into the U.S., and eventually there's a good chance, particularly if you scale and people notice, you can get in trouble. So yeah. That's not a normative statement. That's just the simple country lawyer pointing out what I think is the obvious. Uh, Stephen Pelley, you are uh, anything but a simple country lawyer, but uh, you are your friend, and thank you so much for joining me today and breaking this down for us. It's been a pleasure to see you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Brilliant.